Hey folks, we're back. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans, episode 168. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans, episode 168. What's up, Jeff? What's going on? You get out of that music really quick, man. Yeah, man. Oh, I lost my mic. Oh, but shit. I, I'm sorry. I'm man. just ready to talk. See, this is one thing about this mixing board, which I love. It's sensitive. You know? Well, they put the mute button like right in the front where you're right in front of the volume. Yeah. Right here. And I've done that like several times and I have to train myself to not do that. Yeah. You know, it happens. <laughs> People know. <laughs> mute button happens. Um, dude, what's going Did on? Did I tell you that I saw Spencer walking along the bayou with no shirt on, walking we- his dog the other day? No. Tell me. This is producer Spencer, everybody. Spencer hasn't been with us for a little while. We don't know what's going on with Spencer, but his hair is like really getting longer, right? So it's he's like start- Jesus mode. Kind he's of? starting to look Jesus-like. Yeah. And then I was... It <laughs> 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 was the funniest thing. Um, so you know how you're like... Uh, you don't instantly recognize somebody in a very short little period of time, you know, like like you're just like three and a half seconds. Oh yeah, or maybe even less than that, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. I'm two I, beats. I, I'm just right over here, Joel. I'm at the corner of Moss Street and Dumain. Folks, we're recording at Tracy's apartment right now because uh, we're getting some work done over at Maison. So you're by the uh, the chicken gas station. No, no, no. Uh, on du- on Dumain. Oh, gotcha. And Moss right. Street right over yeah, there, yeah. right? So it's the bayou and the bridge is right there. Oh, yes. And so I get, you know, I'm driving. And I'm like, oh, there's oh, some woman walking a dog. And I look at that. And I'm like, oh, what kind of dog is that? You know, and I look over. And I'm like, what? And I just immediately, without even registering anything, I just see dude, no shirt, dog what time walking. Are you? And I immediately think to, think to myself this. I'm like, what the fuck up is with this dude right here? You're like, is he homeless or is he one of those like, um, um, what do you call them? What do you call your people in the uh, the gutter kids with the dogs? Oh, the phobos? The phobos. Yeah, the phobos. Because like, you don't get phobos over on Bayou St. John. No, they had some phobos the other day. Did they? They had phobos the other day. It's been unusual. Okay, I'm going to tell that story. All right, yes. put that story into your chamber chamber your that story into your into your shirt pocket okay so i look and i'm like what the hell is up with this guy and i look a a little bit closer and tracy's in the car next to me and i go i go look at spencer walking around with no shirt on walking (laughs) his dog (laughs) because i realized it's fucking spencer Like you started your sentence and then halfway through your sentence realized it was special. You know, I'm like, you were about to say I'm like, dude. And I realized then before I was like, like look at this man. <laughs> That's our producer, our podcast producer. He doesn't see me at all, right? You know, he's just like walking around. And I thought I was like I was like, is that a thing, man? Do millennials walk around without shirts on, man? You know, like I thought that went out, you know. A long With time, like Ralph like Madison, a, or like oh, Ralph Madison. or Burt Reynolds, you know what I mean? Like right. something like that. Yeah. Spence is like holding it down, man. He's he's the he's the Gen X millennial. He is. I thought about him because I took a shower at the camping grounds at Bonnaroo this last weekend, and I thought about you know him how weird that sounds because Joel? well because it does. It's a weird non sequitur. I'm not even going anywhere, but I thought about Spencer because I'm the dude that like 
takes a t-shirt to the shower so I don't have to be bare-chested oh, back right. and forth from <laughs> Coming the tent, back from the to, tent the, to, the, to the communal shower. Exactly. Right. That's yeah. right. I, I, wear the, I wear the t-shirt. No, no. I, I go with my, everything that I'm going to wear. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, know I go in there with a bathing suit and like water socks. This probably all sounds very strange to our friends in the Netherlands. Who just like... They're like, why don't you just go naked the whole time? I mean, that is one of the nice things about that walk from the tent to the communal showers I'll say I mean this dirty old man but it's like you know the fact that there's no there's no bras you know I, I gotta say man I I wish we live in a society where we somehow shunned undergarments you know uh, uh, there there is a society that shuns undergarments yeah, which one's that? it's called Bonnaroo <laughs> <laughs> It happens every year, Joe. And Spencer. <laughs> Spencer. <laughs> Spencer Eicher, ladies and gentlemen, our producer at goodbyebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. So so that happened uh, this past week. And, yeah, he did uh, come up for air when we were like, we started like a little like doomed to be failed, uh, to fail uh, Kickstarter campaign to try and get the podcast to Bonner this year. And uh, certainly, like that caught Spencer. <laughs> you know, like he suddenly like, his antenna went up. Like, no, what? no, he was like, "Whoa, hold whoa, on now!" Hey. Right, exactly. Are we going back? Guys? Like he hadn't texted or anything. He had not <laughs> responded to any of our communications <laughs> for months. <laughs> and we put something on social media, and suddenly he's like, "What?" He's like, "Wait a minute!" Yo. But that's how that's how you know that's how communication goes down these days. Yeah, text is so passe, man. Totally. That's He's so like, 2005, why, man. Why is Joel text me you know? all the time? <laughs> why is he texting me? <laughs> That's my impersonation of Spencer. Texting is invasive. I work for a boss that like who says, if you don't call them, then you're a pussy. Like You just need to call people. I'm like, people, that's rude to call people now. Don't you think? I think that... Um, Outside of your good friends and family. Well, there's a, there's a couple of schools of thought that I have on that, Joel, and I don't want to really go down that rabbit hole too deep, sure. but I'll just say this, that yes, I, I look, I think that texting is a very efficient way of communicating. I do you know? too. And, and I think that like um, a lot of times you could be like, hey, I might be dealing with somebody who has a problem getting out of conversations or keeping things concise. Uh, and I'm not referencing anybody that you and I might know because everybody knows somebody who is like that, right? Right, And just in general, you might not want to get involved in... You know, it's a way of uh, a longer conversation. It's just a way of controlling a conversation that you want to have and by doing it with the written word instead of the verbal word. Dude, and, I was... And, and the other part of it is like from a business standpoint, like when I'm doing business and stuff, if right. things get contentious... In business, I immediately only text you want or the written email because I want the written record. Also, like when I'm trying to do sales, like or even talk to like you, I'm like, hey, do you have a minute to talk? And can we just set it up? So I'm not bum rushing you. But B, in the in the van back from Bonnaroo, and we're going to be all over the place on this podcast. But coming back <laughs> from Bonnaroo funny. with like the Soul Brass Band, at some point Derek Freeman looks back. And he was like, just gives a motion to uh, Riccio, the trumpet player. He's like, can you wait 30 minutes? And no one knew this was apropos of nothing. Riccio had apparently texted Derek while we're all in the van, like eight of us. Yeah. A sprinter van. Really nice yeah. van. Yeah, yeah. Those so, are, so yeah, those are nice. Might as well be in like yeah. first class in an airplane, dude. 
You know what I mean? It was really that good. Really fucking nice. Really? Oh, yeah. Lots of room. Interesting. So lovely. And uh, Riccio gets out of the rest area, and and, uh, Derek's like, yeah, he texted me. I had to take a shit. (laughs) (laughs) He's like three rows back. He's like three rows back. (laughs) But see, that's a way of keeping your shirt on. Exactly. (laughs) Call back. (laughs) Exactly. While you're in the van. Nobody needs to know that that's what you need to do. No. You know, but you need to tell the guy who, who's making the calls about where you're going to stop, right? We had like eight, we had like eight stops in a nine hour drive, uh-huh. and I swear to God, every one of them was done via text. Every everyone <laughs> exactly. Like, Tracy texted me from the bedroom to up here the other day. Yeah, she's like, "What are you doing?" Exactly. I'm like, "Oh, I'm up here you know, <laughs> watching Netflix." Um, yeah, I'm sitting there like at the Bonnaroo catering, and I'm like texting like. Orin, I'm like, yo, you gonna get me a smoothie? <laughs> you remember that? Like, that no, we did that too. We, we did had... that too. Yeah, like you're already up, so I'm gonna text you while you're up. I just don't want to get up, man. So maybe you could help me and give me a coffee or a smoothie. Well, you and I, for the like the ten years we both worked Bonnaroo, we had it so dialed in. Oh, it was totally dialed in. So yeah. whenever we went to breakfast, lunch, or dinner, we knew. All right. Oh, you're in the espresso slash fruit slash vegetable juice line yeah so the other person is responsible for some other shit like some ice cream on the back end yeah yeah totally or whatever it is or standing in the omelet you know make your own omelet the omelet thing yeah 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 to go totally omelet totally and it was just like but you and i were operating a level where we didn't even have to text we just like looked at each other it's like one person goes that way i would say even before we got up from the table you know it was like we would just be like, I'm going to the juice thing, man. You want to think? Yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. Give me a carrot, ginger, and I'm going to the orange. I'm going to the omelet. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to the omelet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me one of those. And we're like, who has singles to tip? We'd all. Right. This, okay, oh, yeah. Make that's sure right. We had some singles. That was always the thing. It's yeah. like trying to find change. Make sure we had tip. <laughs> right. The tip money. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> and then the booze, too, back there, which flowed uh, freely. Uh, yeah. That, it was good times, man. So, uh, so tell me about the trip then. Uh, let's let's talk yeah, about segue. that a little bit. It's a good segue. I mean, we can just dog out of the week somebody right now. Okay, go for it. Live Nation dog of the week. That's Live Nation. Yeah, I mean that's easy to dog out Live Nation. It's a multinational corporation. Whatever. It's not news to anybody. It's not like I'm breaking any fucking ground. You know, by dogging out like this fucking like promoter who's bought up all the independent promoters around the world. But uh, Bonnaroo was really fun, man, because it was the 17th year and um, I was there for the very first one and I think for the first like 11, I want to say, and 11 or 12. And then we went back into the podcast two years ago from there. And so it's a family reunion, you know, but this was Superfly's last year. Right. Right. Like they sold it to Live Nation three years ago. They had a three year contract to, to run the festival, essentially. To, to help run. To help run it. But this last year, they didn't do they shit. They didn't do shit. Like, right. so sponsorship sales were way down. Because Chad Isik was like, why the fuck am I going to fucking help Why? Why would you, know? you? Why would you? You don't, there's no. Chad was Chad. There's Chad. no business development there for Super Exactly. Fly, and right? folks, let me just say this. Every single person that I talked to at Bonnaroo from those years, the first or second thing out of their mouth was like, where's Jeff? Hmm. Seriously, dude. And it, yeah, I, I wish I, some yeah. of them knew that you've been under, you know, undergoing mm-hmm. what you're do, mm-hmm. undergoing with your illness. And some people right. didn't. Yeah. They're yeah. just like, 
God damn it, where's oh Joel's here, but where's Jeff? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish, you know, it, it would have been nice to be able to go and and do that. You yeah. Know? Um But like I said, Joel, I mean, there's this so there's so much stuff going on right now. Yeah. You know, uh with me. So I mean, uh, I'm glad that you got to go. Me and, too. And look, man, we're gonna get an opportunity to go to one of these other festivals that they're producing, you know, and see those folks out there. And uh, totally, and Maybe. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. gl- I'm, I'm, I'm glad for those guys that they're, um, you know, I mean, if that's the course of action that they want, I mean, it, it, that they, that they want to go in in terms of their business development and where they want to take their festivals and what they're doing, then I, I, you know, more power to them. I mean, I yeah, think, you know, I, I mean, it seems like they wanted to get away from. It's a behemoth. Well, they, it's a behemoth. Well, look, they, prob- they, my assumption is they sold because it made financial sense. Um. I was told by like a manager type person that's just like below the ownership that maybe everyone's undergoing like a little bit of an existential, not crisis, but just identity, existential identity like process. Like, well, what do we do now? I mean, of course they still, they have Clusterfest this coming weekend in San Fran, which is a wildly popular. No, they uh, own what? Four or five properties. Right. right? And then they've got, uh, they, uh, you know, outside lands and blah, blah, blah. So they're all good. And they're getting into IP and all kinds of stuff. So those guys are good. But um, man, I gotta say, it was the only reason that we were there with Soul Brass Band is because Carrie Black, one of the original um, Superfly guys, just made it happen. You know, and what I learned once I got right, there yeah. was that Superfly wasn't responsible for any of the programming at all. Wow! Like they were essentially done like they didn't have any responsibilities pretty much so carrie was just like magic wand like it's old brass man up here you know right right um, yeah which was lovely and so we went up and uh we did like four shows in the snake and jake's christmas barn <laughs> right right yeah, yeah, yeah and a parade as well right right um and it was awesome but man you could dude, feel it slipping away well look dude Kate, let me ask you this: What are your favorite? What What are your favorite parts of Bonnet? Like, what are the, What are the distinctive things like that separate Bonnaroo from other festivals? Well, all right, now I'll, I'll just rattle off like two of them, and I, I know one of them we've talked about a lot, which is whatever year that was when Chris Rock opened for Metallica. Totally. So, like the programming, they just had a kind of uh, bravado in the programming. That, um, or the, just the schedule of performers. Like, for, who would have ever thought it? to have Chris Rock open for Metallica? Not Chris Rock, apparently, because he referenced it in the show. Exactly. He's like, what the fuck do you want me to do? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and and like, he did 60 to... original minutes. And he did 60 original minutes, and he came out. So, so it was the fact that it was big enough that they were able to pull down that original material being debuted at their festival. Right. Um, they had enough clout to do that and to have one of the biggest, if not at the time, the biggest comedian in the world. Yep. Um, maybe he and Louis CK, you know, sure. at the time, um, open for one of the biggest bands in the world. And it was just, you know, I don't care what you think. I mean, that's just a mind-blowing experience. And then and Live Nation will never even try to pull that off. That was super fly. That, that was I our mean, four friends. Yeah, I think that that is idiosyncratic to the a style that is endemic to their business. I think that's totally. fair to say, right? Yeah. And because 
I have not been to a festival that matches something like that. You know. Okay, so so take that. That's on the folks. That's on the biggest stage at Bonnaroo. Okay, so you can expect to see some really. I mean, we saw some really great performances. We saw the Look, police. We saw, we saw the police. We saw Stevie Wonder. That Stevie one Stevie Wonder, Wonder Bruce performance was like unbelievable. Yeah, that, yeah. that's that space. We also went and saw people. Radiohead, which was lame. Awful. <laughs> That was a very lame show. Kanye West. I have to say Kanye West. And we had the, that's when we drove the golf cart back to the, <laughs> the hotel. hotel. <laughs> right, exactly. We can say that now. I you said know. it this weekend. Yeah, you said it this weekend. Um, but then they have these side stages where these other bands perform, right? Who are nothing to shake a stick at at all. You know, I... I and what, what sticks out from those shows is, for me, is that one night that we were there and... Femi Kuti was playing in right. one tent, and, and then NWA? over in the, in the uh, it was like the this or the that tent or uh, this tent. It was this and, and the, the other and the other tent yep. exactly, and uh, and Public Enemy. At, Public Enemy next at the to same Femi Kuti at the same time, and you could just like bounce the, back and forth. They're about three hundred yards apart. Not, right? not, not even, even that. Not even right. Exactly, two hundred yards apart. Yeah. The and and so we were like, what do we do? You know, bounce back and forth. just bounce back and forth, right? And and that's what we did. And those performances were amazing. That was, I mean, for two Gen Xers, you know, we were like, we we're like, wow, this is really like and up Live, our Live alley. Nation you doesn't know, do like, that anymore. They don't oh, do that shit. No, no, no. I'm telling you, if you look at the Bonnaroo program, yeah, this I year, know, I know. They only do what's playing at every house of blues in the country right now on those side tents that hold like 2,500 people. Yeah, yeah. And it you makes, know, it's yeah. really disappointing. I know. There's not like this artistic curation going on um, the way that there was up until 2012, I'd say. And, and, I, and I, I think there's a cheapness. I was thinking about that just yesterday, as a matter of fact, that I think there's a cheapness that accompanies that that is the result of a long process of the recording industry imploding and that all sure. of the, all of the money is made in live music so that the impetus now a days seems to be and and this is the thing is that when I'm I'm sorry to not complete that last thought but I'm going to get back to it sure it's the voodoo festival lineup came out and you look at it, and I'm not sure who's running it. It's, maybe they're a Live Nation C3, property or C3, which right? Which is Live Nation. Live Nation, right? Exactly. Yeah. And and you look at it, and, and suddenly all these people are online saying, I'm old. I don't recognize any of these names. But they have Guns N' Roses and one or two other recognizable names. And then it's like a bunch of bands that maybe uh, only Gen Z millennial audience... I don't even think millennials even recognize a lot of the bands that are in there. I don't think that that's only just us being or getting old. I don't think that's the case. I don't think I it think, is at all. I think what's happening is that there's a churn of bands these days because I look at those schedules and I look at the names that are on them. They're 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 and I can they're, tell they're, you they're that Britney they're Britney spearing festivals. They, they are that the churn. They're turning festivals into radio. You the, know what I mean? It's exactly. This is what's happening is that it's even two years ago, the names that were on there are, are just being flipped. These bands are just like getting they're not, flipped. They're not and flipped like doing and flipped. Sonic Youth or fucking Fleetwood Mac or like, but uh, you know. Well, what I mean, like what I mean by that is like, 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 I know, I know you like, you don't want to sound like 
get off my lawn. But here's the thing: it's like what I think is happening is that it's just cheaper to like get a band, put a bunch of PR money behind them, push them up the food chain of some little bit of fame, send them out on one to one and a half tours, and be done with them. It's industrialized festival is what it is. Yeah, because each of these bands have like the agency social media machine and the whole nine yards and they've got the record producer who's like dumbing down the music and making music more simple and simple for people to like nod their heads and be happy it's like very orwellian well also joel they want to they want to like get bonnaroo felt orwellian they want to get rid this year of they want to make the music happen in the recording studio as quickly as possible exactly and then get out on the road it's just a machine because all, all the money is in live dude, music now and dude, not in recorded it's, music. It's just a fucking boardroom corporate fucking machine is what it is. Yeah. And that was playing itself out. Of it. Let yeah. me ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So one of your favorite moments at Bonnery was Chris Rock opening for Metallica. That's my favorite moment probably. Right. Um, what's another one? Because I want... What like what's okay? What, really, what's, you want to know? One that you and I you maybe had the best time. Ever. Okay, one of them is when we were on mushrooms and we were at that uh, thing, and we Alice were working. Cooper. We were working. It was Alice Cooper first, but, but it was Alice Cooper. We wound up at Alice Cooper for one or two songs, right? Okay, but I just want to say that it was the whatever band that was playing at that installation, which was out in Ten City. It was called a stumble upon. And that was the band that like freaked me out. They were the like most. this gothic, like it was gothic guitar. I don't, I don't know how to describe this. Like if you could imagine, folks, like, they were like ghosts. They were like spooky ghosts. Okay, well, okay. First of all, if you've you know if you've done mushrooms, you know what I'm talking. You know where I'm what I'm getting at here. But but that doesn't that doesn't obviate the what was going on at that place when we arrived, which was weird and freaky. Yeah, and, and it was also Gap. So the Gap was sponsoring it. Yes. And they had these very, very like regular corporate type women that were representing the Gap and that Joel had to interact with because we had grossly miscalculated how rapidly these mushrooms would take hold. I blame them on a third party, by the way. Yeah, yeah. We'll that's go right. We can name them. We don't have to worry anymore, man. Shit, no doubt. We're never. Oh, that was really. She was like, "These are the same chocolates you took, like at Jazz Fest." I was like, "Oh, cool." I was like, "Jeff, these are super mild because these are the same chocolates that Jen Odell just gave me that like you told me to name her." Oh, and I'm like, shit. And they were like twelve times as strong. No, it was super strong and super fast acting. Super fast acting. We were fucking. I couldn't. I mean, feel, I, I was driving that, the golf cart and I couldn't feel the wheels no, I, underneath the road. No, I totally remember. Like I, I felt like I was the Jetsons. I like remember, I was like floating as we were headed out. As we were headed out, and the millennial fucking Derek wouldn't fucking take over. Who was sober wouldn't take over. Well, the car. problem is, is that he has no experience tripping. You know, and that's the thing is that as two people who do have experience tripping, we knew exactly what was happening when it was happening. So we were on the way out. That's right into Tent City, and you turned to me. I remember into this. Tent City. I remember this uh, distinctly. Is that you turned to me and you were like, "Hey, Jeff, you feel this shit hitting you like right now?" And I was like, "Dude." <laughs> It's coming on fast, you know? And you're like, my forehead's tingling or something like that. You know, and I was like, man, so is mine. It's like, it's it's happening now. And and 
both of us knew it and we were like oh shit man we're like what do we do we got to go meet these clients and like we got to go and do the work you know and, right and like it happened so fast that i mean this is like in the it span it was like talons on your shoulders li- literally like I felt like they were talons literally from that point picking me up off the golf cart yes, and flying me away when we while i was driving the golf cart from the time that we talked when we had that little interchange between us yes and by the time we got to the location it was fully we were fully tripping fully tripping fully and i was like derek i don't know what i can i'm not going to be able to speak much it's going to come in immediately I think I'm speaking out loud now. Am I speaking out loud now? Yes. I would say that. Yeah. And you'd verify that I was speaking out loud. I was like, well, good. Because I'm having lots of conversations otherwise in my head. (laughs) But in this moment, speaking out loud, may you drive the golf cart? No, I don't think I can take on that responsibility. (laughs) From the sober millennial. I'm like, you understand we're tripping our fucking faces I mean, off. just think about this, I understand folks. this wasn't think about in the this. job description. This was not in the job. But it's fucking driving a goddamn golf I cart, I have man. to take care of you. <laughs> I have to take care of you because you're a grown man. And you're doing drugs. <laughs> I see his perspective, but goddamn it. You're a grown man on drugs. At a music festival. We are. And we were trying to get off and finish this thing. All we had to do was get 30 seconds of B-roll of the Gap installation. That's all we had to do. That's all we had to do. That's all we had to do. So we get there, and we've told this on another podcast. We had already worked from 10 a.m. till 8 p.m. We had already, like, it was a special request. They were like, hey, do you mind going out to the Gap thing at 2 in the morning and shooting two minutes of B-roll? You know what I mean? It was an it was a land app they were asking us to do. Okay, okay. Now we're going to so picture in your minds, ladies and gentlemen. We're driving down this dirt road. We're in the Bonnaroo tent city, which is a which mid, is basically just a, a camp, a gigantic campsite. Imagine the first Mad Max movie. It's it's this post apocalyptic wasteland out there, and typically speaking, as employees of the festival as we are uh or were we we don't typically go out into the tent city in nine, in nine years of working there at that point we had never gone there. not that deep nope. not that deep nope we had made a couple of except forays for that, except to for go that to place the, with the strip club thing or to get the shots from the tower or something yes. out there and, and then the strip club thing. and the strip strip club thing and there was a garnier uh, shower, shower thing, thing yes. that we had to cover as well. That's right. That's, yep. right. that's that's about it. That's the only time. So anyway, we get out there, we arrive at this location, and there's this like it's like 600 acres, folks. I don't even know how to describe this band. They seemed to me, while I was intensely tripping, to be a band that was kind of, sort of approaching a Marilyn Manson kind of feel. Sure. And I'm gonna slowly turn on. It's like young goth lesbian women doing Marilyn Manson. The echo, so that people can understand what was happening as we entered. And it was like a doc, it was like a Dr. Seuss environment, right? Like it was an installation, was an installation that was that was made by the marketing people of the Gap, and, and there it, was a stage, and it fit like fifty people. It was like a Hobbit type of environment, right? But this band, yeah, there was a, it was about room for about fifty. And yes, it was like... Still, you know we're on Echo Effect. I know. I know. I want people to get the understanding of how, what it was like, Joel, when we were 
when we were out in Tent City. Okay, so I had the camera, and I was, I was, I was freaking out a little bit you, because I met the women first, and I walked up clients. to them, the clients, and I said, "They said, oh, are you here to shoot?" And I said, "Yes." Rich Goodstone we told me be coming. Are here to shoot, and I said, "Talk here, to Joel." Talk to Joel. <laughs> and I was like, just smile and be handsome <laughs> to myself, to, to yourself, turn. yeah, over and over, exactly. and over. Don't say a fucking word in your head. I was like, this is a nice experiential marketing. And then I was with Derek, and we were shooting, and I opened my other eye. Yes, that's what I remember. Not my middle eye, folks. My left eye. Which is normally closed when you're shooting. Which is normally closed when I'm shooting. And I opened it, and as I'm shooting, I'm telling Derek, I'm freaking out because of the different perspectives. One in the camera and one real-life eyeball perspective. So I'm having two universes happening at the same time while the Marilyn Manson band is kind of playing, which had no front light. No, it only had it light. Backlight. It was backlight and underlight. Yes. So it was very evil. So evil. Looking. And they had the fog machine going. Yes. And, the, and it was just trees <laughs> and dirt. And the only people that were hanging out there was just like lost souls. Lost souls. Totally lost souls who may never find their way home. The dregs of Bonnaroo Dude. found their way to this location. And there's these chippy, cheery Gap girls. And the chippy, cheery Gap girls. Wearing their little girls. Gap things and their Gap t-shirts. They're like, hi, George. Rich Goodstone told me about you. And you would come over and say hi to us and make us feel good. Do you want a Snickers bar? You know. Stuff like that. Dude. I was like, And they were hi, like, Derek. I'm a puppet. I was seeing myself puppeteer myself. Like, I was seeing. You're seeing yourself from outside your I was body. seeing myself make myself move and talk. That's right. I was like, say hello now. Hello now. <laughs> She's like, why did you say it now? <laughs> I don't know. Nice experiential marketing exposure. Were you asking? What's going on here? <laughs> Rich is certainly a nice person. Do, and I'm just like... Were you asking yourself at the time, do they know I'm I? Do they know I'm I? No, I was really the puppet. I was the puppet master. You were the puppet master. I was making myself say everything that I felt like I needed to say. I thought. To not get in trouble. Yes. I thought with my dual eyeball perspective (laughs) that I was shooting the best footage I had ever shot. (laughs) I knew you weren't. I was like, none of this footage is going to be useful. I was like, whoa, look at this. I thought that at the time. I was like, I was like, it's so fucking dark. First of all, I'm like, zoom (laughs) in. It's all back. Zoom in, zoom in. It's like there's no fucking front light. Like this is like useless. Like if we'd have been sober, we would have walked up and just walked away. We wouldn't have shot anything. No, we would have said, "There's no light here." (laughs) 
And then I lost the lens cap. And then you lost the lens cap. But look, <laughs> had we walked up in that scenario and not high on mushrooms, we'd been like, you can't even shoot this. I text Rich. I'm like, dude, there's no lighting. We don't have lighting. It's fine. I met the client. I pretended like we shot some stuff to make them feel good about themselves, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And course, I would have just, which we did a lot no, no, like, just, in those situations. Yeah, crossing out bullet points. But instead, we were like, oh my God, we got it because we were so fucking stoned. And then you lost the lens cap. Oh, I did it again. The mute button, yeah. and then um, we spent like twenty minutes trying to find that, and then we had that like, was incredibly lame, man. We had this conversation about. I'm like, Derek, how can you not be helping us right now? Do you understand that my death perception is when I reach down to the grass looking for a lens cap, my arm is going to China, <laughs> like in, like in the old Bugs Bunny cartoons where you could like reach through the earth and go to China, and Derek, like that's what's happening to me. You know what I mean? Like, you can't use your sober brain right now to pull out a flashlight on your phone or otherwise and find the fucking goddamn... And so I'm vacillating between, like, wanting to bitch him out and me completely, like, trying not to shit myself and fall into, like, a jello pudding pop. You know what I mean? And he's like, I, I've never driven a... I don't... I've never, I've never found a lens cap on the grass before. I've never driven a golf cart before. So I had to drive a golf cart back. <laughs> and I remember we were like, we were like, dude, how do we mitigate our liability? Right First now? of all, I want to let people know that I love Derek, by the way. I love Derek, too. Shout out to he Derek. Was so, he's he was so good as a media man. He really was. But goddamn, out in the field, he was a typical millennial, man. But he's just like, I can't. I can't, I can't help you. I can't. I can't do improvisational. I've never driven. A, I do not have an improvisational skill set, Joe. It's just like, do you understand? I understand how to move the files from folder to folder. Okay, I just want to. And I understand how to make the USB drives work with the USB C drive. I, and I and I can back and I can double triple check the backups. And I can also do your selects for you. And I got your Final Cut Pro timeline done. He knows how to do it. He knew but how I to do all that stuff. Man. But I can't drive a golf cart. I, I, but I can't look for your. And I don't understand how to move through life. I can't help you while you're high. I just can't. Meanwhile, and I wondered. Me- I wondered if that was like a moral. Thing, it might have been a moral like, thing. That it, it might have like, been a church thing. You need to be punished. Let's hope it's a church thing and not like an incompetency thing. Let's hope that. Your let's, requests need to be yes. denied let's as punishment give, from God. Let's give Derek the benefit of the doubt that he was just fucking with us and not totally incompetent. Okay, so so Cause my, I, this cause is I, my thing. Because I was saying things I want to you everybody like, to understand. I was like, hey, Jeff, I can only talk to you for the next 10 seconds before I go down in my rabbit hole again. You know, it was like that. No, I know. There was a real self-awareness about the high. And I was like, I have 10 seconds to talk to you. No, and I'm like, I can't. Should we drive go back to the trailer, the or should we go back to the thing? You know what I mean? Like we had to make a decision. Boom. Like we have to fucking like. And we drove over to Alice Cooper. What's the biggest thing that we could fuck up right now? And we drove like fucking our gear up. You know what I mean? And so we drove like, to Alice Cooper, and he's yeah. like chopping the head off right yeah. when we got there. Totally. And I was like, oh, this is good, perfect. And then, for then us. we see all of our clients who like paid us to be there. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Here's the thing. I want to. I want to explain to people something. There's a driving hierarchy. In life, okay, is a driving hierarchy. If you drive a truck, a big, big rig, then anything beneath a truck, you get to drive. You should be able to drive, right? So if you drive a car, then you're capable of driving a goddamn 
golf cart, uh, golf cart, or a uh, or a bumper car, a little wheeler thing. The bumper, car. <laughs> big wheel, big wheel. You can drive a big wheel, yeah. Right? You didn't have a problem driving that. Exactly. I mean, it's got a big old foot pedal. It's got a big old brake on it. Yeah, Derek, I'm and not asking turn. you to go up from your like. It has a governor on sedan the motor to a 18 wheeler. I'm asking you to go from your sedan to a golf cart. It has a governor on the motor that only allows it to go so fast. And I'm telling you when I can talk that I cannot feel the wheels on the ground. And he's like, I can't do it. I felt like I was jetsoning. And I was like, I can't you do guys, it. You guys don't understand how dangerous this is. Right no, listen now. to me. This is the thing that like, I think I'm, I'm is. Ba- th- I'm basing my driving skills on like caveman-like instincts. This is the difference between. I'm so this off. is a generational difference right here that we're talking about. And I, I know fucking that. made it all the way back, by you the way. You made it all the way back. And you were driving. I know. You did a fantastic job. You were, and I felt like I was flying over the fucking all the tents and the Ferris wheels and all the shit. I just want to say this: when you're in a job, I, the millennial generation, age, humans, <laughs> that have have more of an ability to just say no. They do in an employment situation. When sure when do. certain fucking things are just required of you, and we capitulate to that shit, I don't know why. Why are we so weak that we that we're just like, you know what I mean? When I was, a, I'm serious. Well, here comes the get off, you and I, get off my lawn Because you and I thing. grew up in like unionized, like everyone needs Nobody. to be unionized. You and I grew up like with unions and shit. Like we have to take care of the workers, so we were like disposed to not. Dude, I'm telling we're you, I have a memory to not like I, go to come down hard on the workers. I, I can say. tell you this, man. I didn't get hired by a firm early, working as a production assistant in in television and film by this local ad producing company because they were backing up the trailer which I had never in my life ever backed up a trailer and this super hey bra dude got out and he's like he's like that guy needs to fucking back it up man I don't want to do it to you to me yeah you gotta back up the no trailer. he's telling the boss that you need to back he's it like, up he needs to fucking do it man I don't want to fucking do it and he's like that and I'm like I'm like, I just, I don't know how to back up a trailer. And Joel, you backed it up. You fucking, I got in the, you backed that well, shit I up. Well, I tried. I can't say that I did a great yeah, job. But you used your, use your mirrors. But, and then the dude was like, he was like, nah, you're fucking it all up, man. God damn it, man. Now I got to get in there and fucking do it, man. Fuck. That's what happened to me. That was so my you, Derek so you, experience. So you didn't get the job? <laughs> no, of course not. They were like, that all guy's right. a fucking pussy. Don't hire him again. Well, that is a difficult task, but driving a golf cart is... I know it's a difficult task, Joel, but my point is this, is that I gave it the college try. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, just because I didn't grow up backing up trailers is... is, But I'm like, you're from fucking... I understand that there's a technical difference there. Between backing up a trailer it, and driving it a actually, car. It actually makes what I'm saying even worse. Exactly. When you think about for it. De- from Derek's for, perspective. From Derek's perspective. But Derek's like, just a steadfast no. I don't I can't do golf. it. I don't drive golf Like cars. we were asking him to drive drunk festivals. or something like that. And he was totally sober. Totally sober. We had a mile, a mile to go maybe. Not even. I know. I know. So just anecdotally, those experiences are like completely fucking different, and and I'm and we were, you know, I know you were like I should just chew them out, 
But you couldn't possibly do that because that negative vibe would have gotten on you. No, I you was know. not having no negative. I loved Eric. You would have had the negative vibe. I loved. I loved Eric. And it no. would have. It would have followed you on the golf cart. Derek was responsible for all of our data. And I, I, I was never gonna like make that guy. Plus, I love that. I love Derek. Derek's no, great. Derek is great. I, I was sitting there like, I love you, Derek, even though you refused. Like I was saying, like even though you refused to drive the golf cart, and I just hope you know. And I was like, Derek, you reserve the right to get out of the golf cart if you don't trust me driving <laughs> thought, right now. He's like, you guys are full of love. I cannot see. Um, I was like, Derek, I can in your parlance. I cannot see what's in front of me. In your parlance. <laughs> parlance is a word that gets used in Tennessee a lot. I, I may not see I <laughs> what's in front of me right now, so you may want to walk. Because <laughs> you, know, you refuse oh, to drive, man. and you're making me drive. Oh, man, that is funny. Dude, that is okay, funny. okay the third all right, thing, so, but the right, third, third thing. thing all right, let's go. Be, yeah, look, we got to move on. on. No, but the third thing about Bonnaroo, because I want to get into this Live Nation stuff and, like... Um, the dog ad. The dog ad and all that. But, like, look, man. Triumph. Mm. Look, we, you and I did, what, 10 years together? Dude, Bonnaroo? dude, I know. Okay, yeah. so we've talked oh, about some man. of the The, the, the comedy moments. tent with Triumph. Come on, man. That, that was... Come on. Dude, that the was, amount of... Just the, being able to see Triumph live. The amount of content you and I god. got out of that experience. Oh my god. How much jokes we had for years. Not I mean, and also that no, weekend. Just the idea that like I was able to videotape Triumph the insult comic dog. Right. And nobody stopped me. Right. From doing that. And he's doing all original material about Bonner. <laughs> all he, original material. Dude, when he when he fucked Elmo. It was. It was. He, he raped. He raped Elmo. Elmo. He raped Elmo, dude. It was an Elmo rape. It was a five. It, it was, was a, a seven minute and a half. Elmo rape. Raping. Oh it was God. so slow. It was. And it was so full of hilarity and regret and <laughs> ugliness. <laughs> like dude, it was one it was of the so mo- gross. It was. It was so joyful. It was one it of was so many things. The raping of Elmo by Triumph was like it was one of those things where I've never two, seen anything two, like it. Two minutes forty five seconds in, the audience goes completely silent because everyone's aghast. No, at three and three it's, minutes and fifteen seconds, everyone's laughing again. At four minutes and thirty seconds, everyone's aghast again. Like it's just it had this ebb and this flow crazy, to it that was insane emotional like oh this is funny all oh, this is fucking gross i know oh this is funny again oh my god this is the most horrible thing i've ever seen and he just keeps going and going and going, going he, and going he, with it's the like joke. you know a family guy like triples down on jokes this was like bazillion down on a joke you know, it was just over and over again when Dude. You, you would think that it was over Poor Elmo and it would just keep going. just getting acerated <laughs> by triumph and they kept putting his cigars back in his mouth we gotta find that you know footage what I mean, man. dude it was just so, we gotta find that footage and that was the year that like jb smooth was there and shit and, like we saw him backstage oh that's right yeah like, yeah Louis all the black. good comics lewis yeah. black all this yeah, like right. holding court in the catering tent and shit and that was what made bonnaroo special man yeah yeah, yeah. there was no way you were gonna go to any other festival coachella whatever no that was a great uh, moment uh, when i was going to get some salad yeah. back there and I went to reach for the tongs, and yeah. another dude went to reach for the tongs at the same time. Yeah. And I was like, and I looked over, and it was Lewis Black. Right. <laughs> and he's like, so we had this like, kind of Larry David moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, you first. And he was like, no, 
no, you, you know, <laughs> with the fingers and everything. Right. You know, and I was, right. I was like, oh, he's he's somewhat like that, not right. as exaggerated, exactly. but kind of like that in real life. And then watching that video that you and I made to try and raise money, I yeah. realized that my hands are a little bit like Lewis Black. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> And I was like, maybe he noticed that in line. <laughs> He's like, you're one, of, you're one of me. He's like, Why are you, what are you doing? Impersonating <laughs> me? Impersonating What's me. going on here? And JB Smooth was cool. And all those dudes, I mean, there was like a season, sorry, or whatever. Uh, I always mispronounce his name. But all the comedians. That was my favorite part of Bonnaroo. That was the was best the comedy com- moment in the tent by far. That was one of my favorite Bonnaroo moments ever. Yeah, I agree. And, and like, okay, so when I think about Bonnaroo, I think about, well, okay, it, what made it special they, those guys went from being a jam band uh, festival again you know all the big festivals were in I, I shouldn't say again because I haven't even mentioned this but like all the big festivals were in Europe and Asia and Coachella started around the same time as Bonnaroo but there wasn't like it didn't exist in this country you know right, right. and so those guys figured out there was a marketplace for it and it was a jam band fest for the first two or three years yeah, and it was this last year too with Fish playing like eight hours of music, which at least I could sleep to that because they have no bass, you know. Um, so I was camping backstage, <laughs> and I was like, "Thank God, Fish is playing, so I can actually get some shut up." <laughs> yeah, because it's so noodly, I get just like tripped off. Um, but it's not here nor there. Um, Remember the very first year that you and I worked out there together? They gave us a uh, an entire RV. It was a pimped out. I know. Huge. What happened RV, to that? man. That was nice. It was so good. And uh, your boy was out there, uh, Bart. Barton. 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 Yeah. Barton was out there. I met him. That was the first time I met Jesse Shows. Jesse Shows was out there. Jesse Wheeler Shows was, was there. there. Wheeler, Wheeler was, was there. there. Wheeler. That's the first Wheeler. time I met Wheeler. That was the third ever Bonner, I think. Wow. Right? I think wow. Yeah, I think it was number Bonner. three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Boy, that was... Oh, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a fucking Motley crew. Things were flowing freely. So, okay, here's the thing about Live Nation, man. So the best thing about Bonnaroo, one of the things was... just It's like interesting... Like the Super Jam, for example. It's just interesting programming. It's putting, as aforementioned, Chris Rock in front of Metallica. It's putting uh, Conan O'Brien as a headliner one night when he was in the middle of his spat with Jay Leno or whatever. They just did. It was like even this year, they did. Lon- yeah. They did Lonely yeah. Island. Right. Lonely Island, who doesn't really perform out, you know. Right. Did their shit. The guys from SNL did a full fucking set. Look, they right? made room for Buffalo Springfield. Right. Remember, like, right. like nobody in that audience. That Buffalo Springfield playing at Bonnaroo was just because somebody like Carrie or one of them, they, they or, care. or or yes. or or one of the parental parental units was like, yes. it would be so great if I was able to see they Buffalo Springfield again. They were influenced by their parents. And they brought Buffalo Springfield in. With exactly. Neil, with fucking Neil Young. Because it, it's about passion. I mean... It's about passion points, man. Yeah. And that's what Live Nation doesn't get. Yeah. So I'll just say, man, before... Because I'm going to end this on a happy note regarding what you just said in terms of like personal loveliness and intent. But... Live Nation is now taking that festival over. There's no more comedy tent. God damn it. There's no more cinema. God damn it. 
There's no more cinema tent. God damn it. Do you remember how fun the cinema tent was? God, the cinema tent was where everybody went. Okay, other than the year when Dallas won the NBA champion. Okay, so that's one of the things. When you go to some of these festivals, so like at the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, what happens every year sporting event, every year at the New Orleans Jazz and Kentucky Heritage? Derby. Kentucky Derby happens every year during the fucking New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. And you always want to like, God, I want to find a spot where I can watch the Kentucky Derby or whatever, right? And like you and I always manage to do it, but it's like it's a difficult thing to do. They accommodated that. That's right. They accommodated and, and that Cup at the when festival. World Cup's happening. World Cup and the NBA Finals. Whenever there's a sporting event that's happening, Bonnaroo has some place that you can go to go and watch Several these places. events. You can go to the and cinema the, tent, you can go to the StubHub thing, whatever. They had they, they had the big bar that they had set that's up right. exactly, and it was like it was like going to you know some sports bar or an Irish pub or something like that, and there were TVs everywhere just so you could watch this amazing finals that were taking place because the Dallas Mavericks were like on fire, right? And they wound up winning the championship for that one and done championship that yep. they did. Right, exactly, yep. and uh, and that was super freaking exciting, man, because it was packed to the gills in there. Totally, it was just packed to the gills. And people know they can come there. It's because of the sensibilities of the four Superfly guys. That's just, right. I cannot reiterate that enough. Like those guys put their personal imprints on the festival, which that came via music, like a lot of the stuff we've already talked about. And the sports stuff, and the and now Live Nation has taken over again. No comedy tent, no cinema tent. Okay, okay. They tore down the archway, the famous archway. Oh God! Just tore it down and burned it, and put an LED screen there. Oh man! I mean, they're just this festival is going to be about like the lowest common denominator of people who like pop music. That's what this festival is going to be moving forward. And in a large part, that's, such a what shame, it, that's what it was this year. Um, but look, man, I had a really nice moment. It's not a shame for our friends, you know, because I'm glad they made out like man. It's they good for out. them. Yeah, totally. You know, uh, but it is. It was their baby. It was their baby. I was there. That's for, right. I was there from year one. You were there from year three. And we have a lot invested in that festival, you know, from sweat and just, you know. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, and I love that place. And I'm glad I still have like the dust in my throat right now. You know? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Dust. yeah. The Bonnaroo dust. <clears throat> um, but man, I had a really nice moment. Rick Farman, front of the good life. That's right. Shout out to Rick Farman. And Annie and his new kid and his other two kids. Dude. How many kids does he have now? Three. Three. He told me in advance that he had like 30 family members coming in you know because we were trying to arrange the pot and all that right 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 and I got a sense that like those guys were all like this is their last hurrah you know and I you know so I carried around my original Bonnaroo Frisbee like ultimate disc Frisbee yeah yeah from a year one yeah from year one year one right and it's pristine I've never thrown it on asphalt or dirt or anything but really nice grass right I don't throw it that often I throw right. it on special occasions. Of course. You know? Right. It's like a nice champagne. Sure. So I carried it around the whole it's weekend. Like, okay, and don't I told, get carried away. And I told Rick via text coming in, I was like, hey, man, I'm going to have that disc on me all weekend. You know? Uh-huh. And uh, on Sunday, last day, he texts me like at 5.45. And Soul's about to go on at 6.15 at the Christmas at the Snake's place. 
And right across from there is the that tent. And he's like, hey, man, do you want to meet out in front of the that tent for the Woods Brothers? And I was like, dope. I'm on my way. And I go, and he meets me. And it's, like, super easy. He's like, where are you at? I'm like, I'm here. It's just, like, secondhand. You know, you yep, just yep. know how to communicate at this 90,000-person festival and find each other yeah. really easily. Because yep. you've had so many reps. Yep. You know? Yeah. And we find each other. And we found a little space, and I bust out the disc, and I tell him why it's so important to me, and he's like, kaflimped. And then we throw disc, and uh-huh. it's like, it's the sun setting over the farm. Yeah. Right? Sure. And then he takes me backstage to the Woods Brothers, and it's Michael Rothschild, who we interviewed on our podcast in 2017. Right. Um, who was the original widespread panic manager. Oh, yeah, that's right. His yeah. now father-in-law. Right. Right. Um, he knew this dude and connected him with the wood from Mendesky Martin and Wood. And right. that's what this band is. Oh, okay. It's like this culmination of Rick and his father in law coming together and making a band. Right. Right. It's also sure. Rick's birthday. Right. It's Father's Day. Yep. And that dude took the time to like come out and throw a disc with his old buddy from Snake and Jigs. Yeah, well, and know. he had his grandparents there, so it was like four generations. It's like grandparents, parents, those guys, and their kids. Yeah, I think there's a certain ethos, you know. That, I'm like, are you kidding me? Live yeah. Nation doesn't do that. No, that's <laughs> that's what Superfly. Does. Yeah, that's not going to happen. You know, because yeah. like Superfly operates a little bit more like a you know family, a family. than yeah than than the corporate entity that Live Nation is, and uh, and you know. But look, man, good on them for doing that, and uh, and 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 for all the success that they had, and for hiring us. And you know, I mean, like most things in life, it's not the work that we really remember, except for the goofy things that happened as we were doing the work. You know, destroying golf carts and breaking <laughs> rules, and 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 getting high occasionally, and doing all kinds of things like that. You know, in in this backstage environment and the rock and roll and the stuff, and going on to. Uh, what's his name from uh, Super Bad, uh, the bus or whatever it was called? <laughs> what was it? McFly, Mc, Mc, McLovin. McLovin's. The big thing of cocaine. McLovin's cocaine. McLovin bus. from that movie, that Judd Apatow movie. Oh Jesus Christ! That's so weird. Biggest bag of cocaine. Like, why did we go? Seen. Why did we go on that bus? You I were like, you were like, let's go on the bus. Ah, we go on. It's yeah. McLovin's bus, and it was like the most sour atmosphere in there. Like nobody's having fun, and there's cocaine everywhere. There's too much cocaine. Yeah, exactly. that's why no one's having fun. Right? Because there's too much. There's cocaine. too much. Like there's just too much blow has been done by these exactly. people. So yeah, right. so exactly. Everyone's so aggro. Exactly. And we're also like, why does McLovin have a tour bus? It's kind of weird. But he did. He did. So, so it was like the McLovin tour bus. But look, to your point about like <laughs> whether our work was important or not, I will say this, dude. I had at least three different people say to me, unsolicited, it was like Robin, Alex, and someone else was like, you guys were so far ahead of the game with the shit. You know? Oh, that's cool, man. That's, yeah, that's very like nice, man. Your, they were like with the videos, but also with like the web portal thing that we had built for them, you know? Sure. The web app or whatever. Right, right. Like Robin in particular was like, I don't understand why we stopped working with you guys, you know? But I, I you know, whatever. I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know. But I always wish that some of those people, um, I know that there's a lot of work involved it it's just such a tremendous amount of work and everybody has like it, their plates are overloaded with responsibilities yes you know? and we have empathy about that and i have empathy about that yeah. and 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 uh 
it was always my sincerest hope, you know, to see some of them having a good time at night, you know, when they could let their totally. hair down. And there always was some opportunity to see that, you know, like, for instance, the Stevie Wonder show that, that one year where there was just such a dynamic. I, look, folks, we were all crying. Let, let, me, let me just say that is the number one show that I've ever seen in my life. A second. Yeah. That. And and Joel and I were there, and we were watching the show, and it was it really you know apropos of nothing like Full you grown like to people say. Were crying. It was it was not a uh, because anyone was tooting the horn of the incredible and great Stevie Wonder, which everybody obviously loves, but um, Stevie Wonder also can notoriously be run far field of himself during his shows like you don't know what you're going to get and that's totally. part that's part of what like Stevie Wonder is not a guy who takes requests no. from anyone and he decided and at that moment to throw down one of an the, epic show just an epic epic performance that was um, that everyone that was in that front of house area you know around the sound guy there was a cordoned off area that folks that worked at the festival and kind of, you know, if you had some connections right and whatever, you knew the right person, that you could get into this area. And there was always, like, drinks that were free and and people that you knew there having a good time. And everybody around us, in contrast to the Radiohead show, right. was, was having just a tremendous time. And, right? it, and, and, and you, made, you made, look, I'll say this. Incredibly like, uplifted feeling uh, that the people everyone that, the, the, the people, was experiencing the people that you made, as a result of that the show. people that you made eye contact with during that show you'll never think to, you'll never think differently about it again is that the right way to put it like Jeff Kravitz the photographer like there are people that I saw at that show and that I looked at them as we're all weeping up because the show was so amazing <clears throat> Yeah, and we yep. we will yeah. have that shared experience forever. Yeah, forever, forever. That was that was that was a tremendous, tremendous like performance, inextricably connected. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Being there at the same time. Look, man, I know we said we were going to talk about some other things, you know, and yeah, uh, and I think that we should maybe just touch on the Pelicans. We don't have to talk about the dummy in the White House, um, which we had discussed before. We could stay away from that, but uh, we, uh, you know, um, just. Since the last time we podcasted, the New Orleans Pelicans made the biggest deal in NBA history. Um, I think I think we can solidly put it in the top two or three deals that have ever been made. Yeah, it I might think, be the biggest deal that's ever been done. I think it rivals, uh, and I'm stealing this from Zach Lowe, I think that rivals the cream going to the Lakers. I think it's right up there. Yeah, yeah, and it may exceed that. Um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, so in the near term, this, this is my take on it, right? Okay, sure. so like I really started suddenly as a result of this trade doing a lot of research because <laughs> I wanted to see like what is the real upside and what is the real downside and everything. Like Anthony Davis doesn't have that many downsides, but he does have an injury thing that that he's got he a played, little bit. He played 75 games the last two years before this last year. I Well, he... I, Right, but he played 56 games this year, and he still well, that had... that was... They held him out. No, Jeff, I'm sorry. No, but he had a lot of injuries, though. 
Okay, no, and he walks on the. I know. His injury stuff okay. is fine. Okay, all right, all right. I'm that's, just gonna. I have to squash I, that. No, I'm not. His gonna injury squash. stuff is fine. I don't. I don't think that it is. He played 75 okay. games two years in a row before this last year. I know. I've heard that from from several people, but um, I don't. Okay, I'm just saying. What's what's the downside? That's that's one thing that you have to consider. All right, there's a he's, lot. Of, he's been more healthy than every big. Everybody man in wants the to say good. Who's his comp? No, he's been that, more healthy no, than true. every big man. Yes, that's Rudy Gobert. Uh, Joel Embiid, um, any big man in the league, he's been more healthy in the last okay. few years. All right, so they <laughs> they made true. they made the deal, and to I think we got all the upside. Not all of it, but we got a lot of upside. No, most of it. I think we uh, we made the best trade that's think, ever happened in the league. I think we did better than they did. Okay, no, I don't think and, we did better than they did. I think it's a win win, but I think that. There's never been a team that's training a superstar that got so many assets back ever. I just think that we did better than they did. I know that it remains to be seen. No, but got, right now, they, I think that we they, did better than they, they have did. a top four players, 26. So, is he 27? No, he's 26. 26. He just turned 26. He just turned 26? Yeah. No, they I got. I he was 27. No, any, the team getting the superstars always gets the best part of the deal. But we got more than any other team has ever gotten for trading their superstar. We're in great shape. That doesn't mean that they didn't do it. I mean, they won the trade because they got the fourth or fifth best player in the league at 26 years old, entering his prime. The, the uh, Well, you know. I mean, it's just... This is what look, I've been reading. Who gives this a is, shit? This is what I'm, it's well, like, I give he, a shit. He is what he is. He's a great fight. He's a transcendental player. Who's going to shape the league for the next ten years? Look, I give a shit because I don't want the Lakers to win. Because I've always hated the Lakers. <laughs> so, I know, but that so that's that's one reason. I'm just glad why. the Lakers like. Gave I'm just a, speaking from a fan. We, we perspective. all we all like, okay as a fan. Okay, let me like sewage you by I saying s- that we own their assuage. We you want a sewage a sewage uh, a sandage. Um, that the fact that we have their draft picks and through 2025, so we own them. For, till 2025 right they yeah. have no ability yeah. to, look they'll be able to like add a free agent or whatever uh, once <coughs> one good asset they're gonna get one good asset out of it in the near term once LeBron retires but it but <laughs> no once LeBron retires they'll add a free agent right you know? right well, their success in the near term is, uh, I mean, you know, and it's true what you said to me the other day that, that that success is always predicated on injury, you know, whether people can stay healthy and whatnot. But, I mean, they particularly have – look, the Golden State Warriors proved that they could take a beating and w- with their best player going out and still be competitive. And I just don't think that this Lakers team, the way that it's assembled, is going to have that ability necessarily. Um at or even at all, so so that's my opinion about where the Lakers are going to be. Um, I think the Lakers. I, I think they're going to be. They're going to. Yeah, gonna I, think they, the I think they. I think they will. I think they'll win in the next two years, um, depending on what happens. But look, but I don't give a fuck we'll about say. that, man. The Pelicans are in great shape. All right, but I just want to. I just want to speculate. That, I'm, I'm talking about me and what I want to talk about. Okay. You know, in terms of what not what Joel wants to talk about <laughs> over here. In terms of y'all, I know about all y'all. I just what, don't how, care about how, the Lakers. Why I know, but so, I don't want. I don't care that you don't care about it. I, that's we, I want to talk about. Why it. are we so like asphyxiated on the Lakers? Like, why do we give a fuck? Let's worry about our own team. Okay, so let's worry about our own team. 
I I think we can be better even sooner than people think. No, I think we're going to be playoff contenders this year. There's a lot of people who maybe don't think that. No, there's a lot. But I think they. I think that we will. I just don't. I haven't seen anybody. I think we're going to be Western Conference final contenders. And I haven't seen years. anybody who impresses me like Zion coming into the NBA out of college Dude. that I've seen in forever. You're preaching to the choir. You know what I mean? Like his body is NBA ready. Look, like right now, he's the best player to come into the NBA since LeBron James. Everyone says that. That's not a hot take. And. You've got, and he played in a system that vid, that, Zion, that, Zion, that, Zion, that video that I sent to you earlier today, yeah. like breaks down why he was not in a good position at Duke, and yet he was still the best college player of all time. Yeah, not even being in the good, the best position for his skill set, right? Alvin Gentry is going to put him in the best position for his skill set. I think. Oh, I saw that video that you sent. Me. I think. Yeah. The Zion is going to be an all-star of the first year and a top. He's going to make an all, the second all-NBA team. I heard people talking about how Zion is he's just a dunk machine it's and he's that. overhyped. No, he's, he's a passer. He can shoot. He can look. Man, we are in such good shape. It's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. And I don't give a fuck about the Lakers. I mean, I just don't care. You know, I care about our team, and we're going to be really good, and we're going to win titles. But eventually, we'll have to beat them no, if that's what goes nah, down. Right? It's going to be easy to beat them. It's gonna... No, in three years, dude. In three years, yeah. You think in three years we'll be in contention for a title? Yes. Wow, that's Absolutely. a bold prediction. It's not. It's uh, one that lots of people think is what's happening. Lots of media professionals who make a living. Like talking about the shit, think that we're going to be title contenders in three years, for sure. Because Zion's that good, and because we have all the flexibility, we have the cap, we have the cap flexibility, we have all the assets, and we have all the draft. Picks. You think the Lakers are the odds-on favorite to win everything next year, or is it Houston? No, no, Houston. The Lakers, point? no, the Lakers by a mile. By right. a mile, they are right now. Right now, and I'm not. I don't think they're better that, than Milwaukee. I don't know it. I think I don't think it. I know it. Caesar's Palace came out. The Lakers are the like number one. They're to, like, like three, three to one, one two to one. To one. And then after that, it's like the Bucks, the Sixers, the Nuggets, the Rockets. You know, huh? And they should be. You know, we got the two best, two of the best five players in the league. Yeah, yeah. But fuck them, man. It's about us. We're gonna have the best. We're gonna have the most fun team the league has seen ever. No, Maybe. come on, ever. Name a more fun team. Well, I would say that you're you were super high on the Golden State Warriors a couple of years ago, and was I was maybe the correct funnest team. And I was correct. I was like on that before they ever won a fucking playoff game. I was on them. No, I don't think anybody disputes I was, that. I was Joel. sucking Golden State's dick before they ever won a playoff game. I don't think anybody disputes that. I was fuck. I fucked Golden State before a playoff. Did game. somebody dispute that? People in no, your I'm peer just group saying did. that I think that this iteration of the Pelicans could be even more fun than that. Dude, are you kidding me? You have this transcendent like point center dude with this like crazy backcourt of the best defenders the league has ever seen between Drew and and people Lonzo. that can shoot threes now. We don't have that yet. We don't. Ingram we don't can't shoot. No, we don't have any shooters yet. 
Well, what are we going to do about that? We need to add shooters. We Who are we going to add, Beal? We need to add shooters. We got shit to do. Um, but look, I mean, fuck. <laughs> we have some work to do. Look, we but we're in the best position. We're just going to drive it to the basket, man. We're gonna be Crush great. Teams. We're gonna be great right. in transition. We're gonna suck in uh, in half court offense. But good in defense. But here's the thing, da- good da- da- David Griffin and uh, Trajan Langdon are smart enough to make sure we build the right team. It might not be this year that we have the right team. It might not be two years, but within three years, I would say I, I would be surprised if we're not competing before going to the finals in three years. And I think that we might sniff the playoffs like somewhere between the seventh seed and the ninth this year, just because how good Zion is and Drew Holiday and the rest of the, the guys. And I have a lot of faith in that Alvin Gentry as well. Do you really? Yep. <clears throat> you think that's the right move, keeping Gentry? Absolutely. Huh. Why is that? Uh, he was the architect of the... Golden State Warriors offense, um, the lineup of death, like he created that. The new changes in management oh, well, with the that, Pelicans. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but but just back to that. It's a now. Quick. It's a fully a basketball organization. And that and that's the reason that like look, man, the fact that David Griffin and 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 Trajan Langdon, who are real professionals in management co-sign on Alvin Gentry should tell you that you should like Alvin Gentry and I know that like average basketball fans are like oh he sucks because we lost while he was here but that's not the story man he's he built that Golden State fucking offense that was his fucking architecture the thing that we've seen in the last five years was largely him you know and I just think that there couldn't be a better coach that we could have right now for this young group. I'm I'm fucking all in, man. I think we're going to win like 44 games maybe this year. I mean, we'll see. Look, Zion has exceeded expectations at every single level. You know. I just th- I think that he's I just haven't seen anything like it. No. I mean, I mean, I agreed with you. Like, like you were the one that introduced me to. I don't know what the fuck, you know, in college basketball, what the hell is going on, man? You know? Right. And you were, you were like this guy. You got to watch him. And so when I'm watching, because I knew we had the, a shot at him. Like with the reason I thought we had a shot was because I thought that New York or the Lakers would trade him to us. So I thought we had like a 22 percent chance of getting this guy yeah because of leveraging Davis and then we ended up getting him on our own (laughs) yeah yeah right right (laughs) through the luck of the lottery gods and dude it's like I mean this guy I think will be better than LeBron James I dude I'm not this is I thought that before he landed in the Pelican's lap I did I promise like he's just that versatile and that good. He's just crazy good. He's he's got everything. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. just and look, we're gonna. I think we're gonna probably start seeing more of this type of thing. Like every five years, you're gonna see a guy like this. That vertical then leap thing, man. Maybe it's, every three. It's the unbelievable. Leap, the, the quick, it's kind of unbelievable. The, the quick. 
quickness. He has a quickness about him that's like unlike we anything we've ever seen. But also, he weighs. It's like he's like Charles Bar- Charles Barkley's body, but he's as quick as Michael he Jordan. Weigh, he weighs two hundred. But he's quick as Michael Jordan. He weighs two hundred and eighty-five pounds already, and he jumps five inches higher than any NBA player ever has. Like, how many times do you get an NBA player that comes in, right, who plays at the level that he plays at, where you're discussing out of college? That he might have to drop a couple of pounds. And he's a great, <laughs> and he's a great. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, and he's a great passer. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I know he's a great passer, and I saw that piece that you sent to me, and they were talking about how they moved him into the point guard position, and he didn't even lose any. They lost nothing with him being the point guard. Right. They might even have gained something with him at point. Yeah. He's 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 just all over it. It's it's kind of amazing. It's gonna be fun, man. It's going to be really fun. New Orleans Pelicans are going to win a championship in the next five years. Mark my words. Well, you heard it. You heard it here. Probably not first. Probably not first. Probably not first. I don't want to say that. <laughs> but you heard it. Joel Jackson making predictions here. He's been right about a lot of basketball stuff. Um, in the, I called the Golden State thing early on. You called the Golden State thing. You haven't been right really about early. everything no. in, in basketball. You've been wrong. You've been, no, because I also You've called, been spectacularly wrong about something. I called Utah this last year. I thought they were going to be the new yeah. Golden State. Yeah, yeah. And I still think they will be this next year. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll see how things shake Where out. Where are we at on timing? Uh, buck 12 right Damn. now. Damn. I know. What else we got? Any plugs? <laughs> um, Egg Yolk Jubilee's got a show on uh, the 30th. And then the Green Demons are having a show uh, later this month as well. And, uh, you know, but we're in the dog days of summer right now, uh, or we're entering them. Um, at least it's, like, still a little bit cool at night. And uh, it's about to transition into the real uh, nasty weather kind of thing. And uh, and it's going to be miserable for, like, three months or something like that. You know, that's just the way that it is. Well, we'll talk in, in future episodes. We'll talk about, like, Amsterdam trips and stuff like that. Yeah, and well, yeah. I also have a trip to Cleveland coming up as well. Uh-huh. And uh, so, so yeah, we'll talk about that. And uh, it's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans, folks. We'll catch up with you next time. Yeah, you're right.